Hi friends, it's good to be back with y'all again here in the studio down in Mississippi. I'm happy to share a conversation with y'all with uh, one of my best friends, uh, maybe my best friend. Uh, his name is Matt Arbogast, also known as The Gunshy, if you've ever heard of his music before. Uh, he lives in Chicago now, but when I first met him, he was hailing from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Amish country. He came down to visit with his wife and daughter uh, a couple weeks ago, and we hadn't seen each other in a while because I haven't been touring, and he hasn't been touring or anything like that. But we've been working on a new project, and uh, we needed to get some work done, and also he hadn't been to Mississippi in some years, and uh, I'd never been down here with his wife and daughter before, and so really it was more just a a time for us to to catch up and, and spend some time together. But I couldn't resist getting him to come upstairs and have a conversation with me about how we met, how long we've known each other, some things we've been through on tour, making records, and to share with y'all a little bit about this new project that me and him have been working on for the better part of a year now, and we're really excited about it. So y'all settle in, uh, get you a cup of coffee, some tea, uh, and we're going to talk at you for a little bit, and I'm going to play some music along the way. So uh, stick around. We met uh, one of, if not the first tour that I was on in the old high tone of Memphis. We both got there very early. For I sure. don't remember that. Yeah. I don't remember and, being there. Uh, you were sitting in the back bar. This sounds like a, like a, how a, like a wedding story about how <laughs> that couple yeah. came. Um, and this was probably 2003. Um, I think that's right, 2003. Yeah, I've been yeah, trying to think if it was two thousand two or three. It was two or three. Yeah. I moved to Chicago at the end of two thousand three, I think. Two thousand two, I think, is the first tour I did. So that would be exactly twenty years ago. This yeah, twenty twenty two. And you were just sitting there, and I, we had kind of emailed back and forth, and actually, we didn't email back and forth. We sent MySpace messages to each other. Yeah, yeah. So my first introduction to you was like waking up one day to like check my MySpace, and you had sent me a. I guess it was private messages you could send in my space. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. But basically saying like, hey, you don't know me, but I play music and I'm going to play yeah. a show at the Heights on the Memphis and we're looking for an opener. Would you like to play? So Yeah. And yeah. I was like, who's this guy from, I think you had Lancaster, <laughs> yeah, I had Pennsylvania Chicago, on your yeah. MySpace. And I was yeah. like, where, where this is this Lancaster? I don't even know where that is. But I was like, yeah, this sounds cool. I'll do that. So I don't remember getting there early though. I don't know why I would have. <laughs> I always had gotten to most shows early. Just yeah. my anxiety coming into play, I guess. But and we were we were just there was nothing else to do. The bartender bar wasn't even open yet, so we were just sitting at the back bar shooting the shit at the high tone. Yeah. And uh yeah, we had a while to talk because there was nothing else to do. And then I remember you being like, Oh, we got this place called the Caravan. You should come back. Come yeah, back yeah, next yeah. time. Yeah. That's what we did. Yeah, because the high tone yeah. was doing the more like ticketed type shows then. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of really doing a lot of bigger shows at that time. Uh, I think that's why I jumped on saying yes, because I think it's actually the first time I played the high tone. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I ever did was seven weeks, and I self-booked it, again, with like emails and MySpace and whatever I could come up with. But I had gotten – I self-released of a record and I had worked in college radio at the college radio station I worked at for a while and the guy that ran one of the big promotion companies in New York I gotten to be good friends with so he like snuck the 
CD in with like one of his distribution packs. He's like, yeah. if you send me 300 CDs, we'll send them out to college radio. Oh, cool. You. Yeah. So he did that and he, uh, he had gotten on the cover of CMJ, the big college music journal. They have like their essential releases, like the four big releases of that week. And it was on there. And so because that happened, all of these bigger venues, I paid, played like Spaceland in LA, yeah. all these places like on my first tour. And I, yeah. like the, my second show I ever played outside of Lancaster was at Mercury Lounge in New York. And wow. I was like, I remember going out and like almost having a panic attack. Yeah. I was like, Justin, there's all these, there's people here. I was playing with some New York band that people knew and he's like, calm down, man. You're okay. Like no more beer, just drink some water and relax. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. And, uh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that's how you started at the, t you kind of started at a lot of venues that a lot of bands take a lot of time to try to get to that point. Yeah. And you kind of started there because it, this is fluke thing where you record ended up on it's the front. Because of there weren't that many people booking their own tours. So yeah. if a place sees that a band has gotten in like a publication like that, that has a lot of weight. And if you yeah. reach out and there just weren't them, that nearly as many bands touring That's at that right, point. Yeah. And on top of that, it wasn't a big of a, a big of a deal to be booking your own tours. Right. Like it was like, okay, like there are still pretty decent sized bands that are booking their own yeah, stuff. Yeah. So they didn't downplay that at all and just kind of went off the press that was coming in for the record and were like, oh, they must, you know, enough people must know who they are. Let's just book them. So that's how High Tone ended up booking the show i was surprised by how many shows like that happened just because of that but well in their in their uh defense also i'm i'm i'm, I'm well i guess no one's accusing of anything but anyways <laughs> uh th this guy dan that worked at the high yeah. tone yeah, he booked, booked everything it, yeah. there. and he started getting me in shows solo shows there after that because yeah. he liked me yeah. You know what I mean? And it was just one of those things. I liked Dan always. He got the big shows that like he had to do, but then yeah. he would just put together these other bills. And he was really one of the only like club owner bookers. He was one of the few who people. would actually be like, yeah, I'll, I'll get you on the show. He you was know? one of the few so. people who continued to be receptive when I came back. Like, you know, yeah. like afterwards. Like, we yeah. played there a few times. We played with right. like, Harlan Tibobo guy at one point. Yeah, that's right. And, um, I forgot about that. Yeah, there were a couple other shows, I think. Dude, he just played his first show, Harlan T. Bobo, like performing in like years. I mean, in like many years, maybe five to 10 years. I'm not sure. But he just played his first show back the other night in Memphis. But anyway, so that night, uh, I remember, all I can remember, <laughs> I don't know how many beers I had. Uh, but I can remember you were wearing a brown t shirt. I can remember that. Just like a solid brown t shirt. I don't know why Probably I remember stank that. stank really bad. And I remember talking to you and, and yeah, I was just like talking a lot, but then, yeah. and I remember that I didn't actually know what you sounded like, your music at all. Yeah. Well, I think I had listened to your first album. I think you had some songs on MySpace and it's yeah. really quiet. Yeah, right. But at this show, like you were just about to put out your second album in which you like really kind of scream and yell a lot, yeah, if you, yeah. for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah. And when you started, everyone in the room was just like, What? Like what just happened? Yeah, and that was kind of my first. I think that's I would count that as like the first time I actually met you. It's because yeah. I like you just like flit. It was just like something you were like the soft spoken dude, and then all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden it was just like boom, the show has started, and you yeah. could like quiet a room so quickly like that too. And I remember a lot of us were just like, "Who is this guy?" 
and where is Lancaster? And so you just like kept coming back to them. Yeah, Memphis, yeah. you know, like I think there were, it wasn't just me, you know, it was like Joel, Joel our yeah. friend Joel, uh, Adam, and Dan, just like a lot Dan, of other people were yeah. like, every time you toured. But I would come through three or four times a year for a while. Yeah, and was, I guess this is for the people listening that don't know. So Matt actually helped me put out my very first record yeah. story never told yeah. at this point this is kind of my first time really starting to play as under my own name as andrew bryant i'd had a band before yeah most of the first few shows that i played as first as the first handful or so were with you and then the first yeah. tour actually that i ever, like what i would say is like a national tour i ever did yeah. it was like you right after that asked me hey you want to go on tour with me <laughs> i guess because you were lonely or bored and I was like there. Well, we but. we got along really well. We That's had a true. Lot of fun. Yeah, we were hanging out, and uh, the whole concept of touring was just like I had never traveled a ton when I was young. I just was like, I got to get out of right. Central Pennsylvania, and um, just kind of went for it. Well, I was drunk, too drunk, and a little homesick when I called from a house down in Athens. Your phone said you weren't there. I said, Hey, and take care. Went to find another cheap. Then I turned out all right, I met a girl, she was nice Even offered to keep me the night I passed and passed out in a crowded house Or at least I wouldn't think twice But I came to the next day, so I didn't get late But they're always disappointed Anyway, and I, I thought if I'd wait I'd come home and you'd say Matt, I hope you never leave This girl that I knew called to meet for a drink at our bar She wasn't quite you, but to tell you the truth She too had once left a few scars She said, you sound sick, I've been smoking a bit Pretended like I tried to quit Now she talked, I could tell I hadn't been on her mind But that's quite alright, she wasn't on mine No, at least, not most of the time but she still looked 19 now in her late 20s When she tried to recall the last time that we talked I asked where he was, he gets up kinda early I better get going, you know he gets sort of worried So she waved me away without thinking a say Take some time off the road and come stay a few days But you know I think It's better that way Now it's time I got out of Change in scenery isn't all that some people need. No, you can't blame your home for a heart of stone, spoiled liver, and lack of energy. So even if I take a chance, learn to dance or find romance in some unfamiliar place, I can't promise in some time from now you won't hear me complain. About some southern state And how I can wait To get back to PA I met a band that was from Chicago. I met them in Minneapolis just randomly. Like we were on a show together and they were this louder, kind of like old school Chicago math rock. What were they called? 
they're called Tacolvi. I, I met those guys at that show and I was like, oh, that's so great. And they were like, well, you're talking about that loud. Like they were like that, but the whole, like four of them were doing that. Yeah. It was the first time I had seen a band that was just like, they were all just like Fugazi style, like going off. Like the only time I ever saw what I would consider to be emo type of music are those like late 90s, early 2000s Chicago math rock bands. That's yeah. why I moved to Chicago. Haymarket Riot and Sweep the Leg Johnny. Like there's right. videos of them. That, there's a famous video of them at like Michigan Fest, like climbing up into the rafters and like falling through the rafters of the venue yeah. and just like destroying themselves for the show. But it was just this like really technical, interesting music too. It's yeah. an awesome like combination of that. Anyway, these guys were like, whoa we've never seen anybody like do that by themselves and i was like i've never seen four people do that and they were like yes let's be friends so i ended up yeah. doing like a whole i had a few days off and they're like come with us so they took me to lincoln nebraska to play shows with their friends there um and these were all of these like they, it was a big like community center show with mm -hmm. like um it was awesome and i played like between bands i was just like sneaking on and playing and hanging out for like three shows that they had they like got me to be able to do that. And then I met him again later that tour coming back through, but it was that like, we got to figure out a way to get by on tour vibe. Opened my eyes so much and was so like welcoming to a kid that was just like not used to that at all that I was like, okay, how can I like bring more people into this world that right. I'm just like coming across and like, if you want to do it, like we figure out a way to do it, come with us. Like yeah. that, that kind of a, like, so you think of them as like being pretty important in the way for that sure, you yeah. went from that point on. Like, yeah, yeah. In a, in the way of like inviting people, like supporting in a, in a completely selfless way mm -hmm. of just like genuinely wanting to support people in yeah. what they're doing, um, especially musically. And in just like a general, like it's not that big to go on tour just go out and, You'll figure out. You'll figure yeah, it out. You right. just got. You just got to. If you want to do it, just try it. And if you can keep it going, just keep going. Sounds like they were like, like in a fairly established DIY type of. They it was like community. I mean, at that point, they only had like an EP out on not to trail off too far, but the guy that put out their EP was Greg, uh, the drummer of that band's roommate, yeah. Kevin, who when me and my now wife bought a house in Chicago is the one that did all of the construction work on it for yeah. us. Like he's done like everything that we've had done in our house. Fred, Fred from Haymarket Riot and Divot Records and Chris from Sweep the Leg Johnny are the ones that did that work, like built this show yeah. space on stuff. So it's this crazy whole like full circle. I stayed in Greg's room when I first came to Chicago to record and then he's there like making a venue in my attic right, <laughs> it's right. a pretty cool like yeah that's really feeling cool. um I, I mean i come from we both come from very conservative like worlds where you talk about how you're there to help people but there's not a lot of walk in the walk yeah going on right there's a lot of second guessing involved in that yeah and to see people just genuinely doing things for other people and just for the pure joy of doing it was like was very exhilarating. So they played on your second record. On they were the on band. No Man's Blues. They on were no Man's the Blues. Um, all the stuff that I recorded. I recorded three of the songs for it in Chicago. Yeah, the other part of my like Memphis story that I remember. I think you would have had No Man's Blues by the time you came to Memphis. I, had I think you would at least had it, it done, but it wasn't had, out yet. I had like handmade because you basically gave me a handmade copy. The other part of the story is. 
like driving home, I put your CD in the car and like, because yeah. I had, I was living, um, it would have been at least a two hour drive for me at the time. Yeah. And I put that whole thing in and I can remember like listening to the whole thing and just being like, this is incredible. I've never heard <laughs> anything like this before. And I just like, I can remember, even remember how the highway looked and what the lighting was and all that. It's like one of those yeah, things where you first nice. hear that regularly, like you never forget it. And then within a couple of days, I talked to Joel and he, I guess you had given him one too. Yeah, yeah. Joel G. Yeah. And he was like, dude, did you listen to that CD? <laughs> you know, because a lot of times yeah. you're like, well, you might listen to it or you might not. He's like, did you listen to that? And I was like, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, No Man's Blues. I guess let's talk about that record okay. for a little bit, if that's okay with yeah, you now, yeah. like a ton. Yeah. But I think... Um, for me, like when I heard it, I'd never heard a voice like that. I mean, I know you wouldn't want me to say this other than like Tom Waits. Yeah. Maybe like some punk and hardcore stuff, but I never heard a dude with an acoustic guitar and then piano and things like that kind of like approach it in that way. And also just like the gut wrenching (laughs) sadness, I guess that was in the lyrics. And it seems like it was like kind of a, a dark time in which you were writing that. So yeah. maybe just explain to me a little bit more about that record. So if that's okay. Yeah. So I, I made, I, I made the record before it and it was this quiet thing that I'm wanting the style of the songs to be more like Elliot Smith and this like kind of more reserved right. thing. And then I started playing shows and got this kind of release out of it that I wasn't really expecting. It was just like this crazy adrenaline rush after every show. So when I was going in, the the songs themselves, I'd been writing them for a little while. It's probably about six months that I took to write all the songs, if not more. Like while we were recording it, I was still writing some of them. And some of them took a while to write themselves. Like that Reason Retreat song on it, I remember that took like three months to just feel like it was done. And I was, I mean, I was, what, 22 as well. So it was very much focused on I don't know it I'm trying to downplay that like it was definitely like a, a, a sense there was a lot of depression it was yeah there was a girl I was with that I we had kind of a weird long nasty breakup um and that fucked me up pretty good some of those moments that are really intense on that record are kind of focused towards that I also I know and and knowing what my taste is in music at this point I can't just say I like all sad songs but there are like there's this like feeling that I get out of songs yeah. and I can find it in different styles of music but sad it's got to have yeah. this it's got to hit in a certain way yeah for me to want to revisit it and 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 just dig into it I can die before I tell you what I should have said back when you believed in what I spit in front of clouds in East Kingsley's I can't let my shaky hands fuck with my friends I have no melody, I sing from my diaphragm So if my ways are empty, my days be through Learn to ride a chorus or sing someone else's tune
So I I wanted to make that kind of music. I wanted it to be this thing that was like not a background listen. That was just yeah. like something that engaged the listener. Yeah. You have to listen yeah. to this album. Yeah, you can't right. just like put it on. Yeah, right. And I was also really excited about having these different options musically of you know having people play on it. Like I remember practicing drums for that record. I mean, because the the first record I made, we put the drums on. My friend Dave played drums on that in his parents' basement after everything else was recorded yeah. none, none of which was recorded to a click yeah and we just like okay i've done that fun. it's terrible it's, it's yeah, so hard I, one review for the record was like called it out and yeah. it was like, sounds like these drums were recorded after everything else it's like ah oh, man yeah okay. but you know it, it was an afterthought in a way so for this to like kind of build these songs up you know the right way um and have strings on them and all this other stuff here and there it was just, it, that was really exciting well i think it's interesting that you went from something like so soft to sort of the opposite which is sort of like so in your face and i wonder if playing shows did that affect that you know what i mean because it's really hard to perform just quiet and so you find yourself just singing or, or even yelling over people half the time do you think that influenced the way you started yeah. to sing yeah and i felt more comfortable singing that way a lot of times i would literally just kind of like like all right i'm going for it and just start the set and just play through it and you know if there were people there that were engaged with it i could interact with the crowd i would but it gave me the opportunity to like just kind of close my eyes and plow through if i needed to right so you almost felt like you were kind of actually removing yourself from right. the crowd from the whole place yeah from, from the whole place yeah. yeah is that like a we said earlier that you got really anxious at some early shows do you think that was sort of a protection thing that for you sure. built that for your was, anxiety yeah, and that, stuff that, yeah that that's where a lot of it came from and i always when i first started playing i wasn't really thinking about how it would kind of translate i had versions of the band i always kind of like wanted in my head for it to be a band it's, I'm hesitating because I, I, I'm glad it wasn't a band more than it was. And I'm speaking of it in the past tense just because it's at this point the band's all over the country and who knows what's going on with it. But 
I wish I didn't need it to be as loud and crazy as I thought I needed to let it be. I feel like over the course of everything, I spent a lot of time not sure where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to Bonnie Prince Billy and, you know, Bill Callahan and Leonard Cohen and those things way more than I listened to louder music, yeah. heavier music. Right. But there was just something in me that felt like it could translate better that way. Well, also, it seemed to feel good to you. Right. It's fun. you mentioned it's, that. Yeah. It's more enjoyable. And so that's it okay, takes, too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it was also, uh, I'm not all over the place, but it also, I think, had to do with how much I was drinking, too. Yeah. It's a lot easier to be really sloppy and, and have a band, even if yeah. everyone's sloppy. At least you're yeah. doing it together, you know? If you're up there it's alone like, and, and, yeah. and you're either sober or wasted, either can be... Yeah. Really terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's. I would. I mean, when I first started playing shows, I'd drink a lot just to get through it, just to do it. And um, I got better at that, but it was still like, I won't lie. A lot of that was just because I was partying and I wanted right. to have fun. Yeah. I mean, I was with you for a lot of those. And I yeah. wasn't, I would say, a heavy partier or drinker even at that point. But it was just like one of those things where you're going around and. You know, you're just like socially kind of, you're yeah. kind of always socially on. That's, I mean, honestly, that's a lot of the reason why I was trying to get people to go with me too, because it would get, it's exhausting. I did a bunch of those tours, even some like West Coast tours, like totally by myself. Yeah, it's and hard. Yeah, you've that's done it too. To do. It's like, yeah. it's just, it's not fun. Yeah. The shows will always have redeeming values and be a good experience in one way or another. Right. But the rest of it's just like, I'd, even when I was 23, 24 doing it, I wasn't having that much fun. I mean, you're spending sometimes eight hours a day yeah. or more alone in a car with people zooming past you at 80 miles an hour. I mean, it's yeah. terrifying. I mean, it's just it's isolating and, and like terrifying a, at the I, same time. Too. I can be a social person like at a show. I can talk yeah. to people and do my best to, to do that and be like a, a friendly person in that environment. But if it's just like day to day trying to like cruising around different towns. I'm not somebody that's going to go in and start chit chatting right. with the barista at the coffee shop or something. Right. It's just, it's not how I, yeah, me neither. I, I mean, roll, so I'm just I'll, like, I'm like a pleasantries guy, but I'm yeah. not, I'm like kind of in and out always yeah. everywhere I go. Yeah. So when I go to towns where I knew I had friends, you know, I could, I could meet up with them and I got there and like, it was always such a, a relief to be like, all right, like this is, this is a, a comfortable place. All right, I've got people. I love um, the first song on No Man's Blues, Reason to Retreat. To me, like a lot of what you're saying right now, like I hear in that song. Yeah. You kind of are working out in your head, what are the reasons to go? And the reason, yeah. and you list a lot of reasons to go. And one of them, you like kind of take on the American dream. Like, yeah, yeah. I could. I could get married, work 40 hours a week and like go to the same job in the same town or whatever. It's got this very like Springsteen born to run thing. And to me, yeah. is there something about that little pocket of the East Coast that makes people like ha- look for a reason to retreat or I mean, whatever? Th- you know? I think the biggest. Or do you think it's just you, you know, like how you came up? There's so. a, some of it's how I came up. I went, I would say there's a couple, there's a couple of things. One, just geographically where we are, it's a very, 
I don't want to make it political when I say conservative because it's not necessarily that. I just mean people stay to themselves. Yeah, like there's, yeah. I remember after I came back from that first tour, came back to the apartment I was living in, and I told my roommate, I was like, man, I love Chicago. Like you, you walk down the street and people say hi to you. Right. I was like, it's great. And she's like, oh, I would hate that. That that would weird me really? out. Really? Oh, wow. Well, in the South, that's like everyone says hello. Yeah, or they know you or but not. That's what but, I'm saying. Like in, okay. in that area, my experience was that the people around me were cold. And the friendliness wasn't as obvious. And that's where, like, once I started getting out of Lancaster and meeting people and going to places, like, there were a lot of college towns where I feel Mm -hmm. like that that kind of vibe is in a college town, kind of no matter where you are anyway. Right. Um, And then, like, going further west, getting into the Midwest and west, it's like, oh, my God. Like, everybody's not like people are in Lancaster. Yeah. Like, (laughs) this is great. I also, like, grew up in a very conservative family. I went to a Christian school for the first eight years of school. So that in Lancaster as a pocket is fairly conservative. I'm pretty sure I'm familiar with this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? That's kind of how it is here. Yeah, yeah. So getting out, it was this weird thing. And I've had multiple conversations with my mom about this where it's like, look, you raised me. As a Christian, I know that I've since parted from that, but like what you raised me to understand about that religion, I see more in people that aren't a part of the religion Mm -hmm. in all these other places, like these communities that I've come across and been around and and how genuine people are in all these places. I was like, that's that's what I'm attracted to in these places is that acceptance I've not really talked to my mom about this. I'm a little jealous that you have. That's good. But similar type of thing, like she used to make us have what was called like quiet time every day where we had to spend like 30 minutes reading our Bible and like praying or whatever. And so, you know, as a young kid into like being a teenager, like I took it really seriously, you know, like being a Christian. So I really took when I read stuff Jesus said and the way to be and like all that stuff, I took it like really seriously. And it was the same thing. I started going to punk shows and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, these people seem more like what I read yeah. in there. Yeah. And it really messed with me yeah. for a minute. You know what I mean? Because they've always told me they were the good guys. And I think that was like getting into the punk community. And I was like, these people are awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, what's the problem? The <laughs> you <know>? idea <laughs> the as I got older and understood politics, the idea of the reasons why Republicans didn't like Democrats seemed to really conflict with what it didn't seem like Christians should be Republicans. The whole idea of not wanting to care about other people and uh, like in in and not saying that that's, that's a very broad statement, but saying like that the government shouldn't. For example, they don't want to fund you know yeah. welfare or anything yeah, like right, that that right. actually helps people. Yeah, right. um, that led to a lot of this like confusion about all that stuff and just like wa- wanting to be in a place where I felt more comfortable.
remember when I when I was in eighth grade at the Christian school, they asked like like as as like a kind of a trick question. The science teacher was like, "Do you think there's any situation where an abortion should be okay?" To eighth graders, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> and she, um, and then she went through scenarios, and she was mm-hmm. like, "In an instance where the baby might not survive, but." the mom definitely wouldn't survive if they didn't have one. And I rose my hand and said, yeah, yeah, yeah would probably be okay. And I got sent to the principal's office and oh, I had man. all this shit went down. It was like, what? And I, I, I talked through it with my mom and she was like, I don't think you're wrong. She was like, just. <laughs> and they were asking you to think and they were asking your opinion, but then they punished you for it. Right. Because like, that's yeah. not the right opinion, obviously. So yeah. I have always had that like openness, which I appreciate with my mom, I, I, that she'll talk through it. But that whole kind of weight, it mm. was one thing that I wanted to not be around. The other thing is my, my folks divorced when I started college. So yeah. four years later, that's when I started touring. So right. that stuff was all still pretty heavy and still going pretty yeah. strong. So I needed to be in a what felt like a safer place for me mentally anyway. And that ended up being Chicago. Yeah. yeah. And I had met those guys. I'd recorded out there. And when did you um, move there? That was around... The end of 2003. Okay. So almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you're considered a Chicagoan by other people? I have been told I can consider myself a Chicagoan. I feel just in the last time or two that I went back to Lancaster, I feel more like a Chicagoan now. I think that's probably the test. Feels more like home. Feels like home because my family's there and I remember some places from growing up, but I feel a lot more comfortable in Chicago. Yeah. It feels like home. Well, apparently in Mississippi, it's like really hard and takes a really long time to be considered a Mississippian. So we're at the bottom of every list in America. So it's like <laughs> anything you say to a Mississippian, they're going to get like offended about it. Well, it's, my uh, brother's in West Virginia and they, they have get similar kind of stereotypes. And it's one thing that I, I've always tried to be very careful of not saying anything related to where somebody is anyway. But So you've been in Chicago for 20 years. At this point, you see, 2003, 2004, yeah, we were keeping up. We were doing a lot of tours together, sometimes twice a year, yeah. like a spring and I, fall. Once or twice at least. And yeah. when you booked a tour, you booked a tour. It was like a show every day for like 40 days or yeah. something. I mean, I think we did one that was about six weeks straight one time. That one where we went out west that yeah. we passed through El Paso, El Paso and down the yeah, we went through Texas, all through Texas. That point in my life, a lot of the that was the first time I'd been to those places. Yeah, I think I had been to the tip of East Texas when I was a kid, but I yeah. had never seen anything west of, you know, yeah, Louisiana. Really, honestly, yeah, yeah. Uh, at that point. But yeah, so I mean, first time I went to California was with you. You know, first time I went to Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. You know, we always drove down the coast. Yeah. Uh, that was a hard stretch. That was. A, and it was like guys. me and you in a, we would yeah. trade out cars. Sometimes we'd go yeah. my car, which was like a Mazda. Protégé. I remember your AC went out. My AC went down, out. Yeah, it was the summer in like Texas. Like yeah. East, or West Texas. But a lot of time we took your old, was it an old Subaru? Or, yeah, I had that red Subaru. Yeah, red Subaru. Yeah. We did that for a long, a long yeah, trip. Yeah, I think they're good. You remember, uh, <laughs> fuck, I'm just remembering this. Um. I want to play those shows in Midland, Texas. I do remember when we played in Midland, Texas. Oh, man. Yeah. It was weird. Well, I remember when we were driving through there, we saw this the, that stretch of road is called like the George W. Bush High, Memorial Highway now. Is it? Or something. But yeah. that wasn't there the first time we came. We yeah. just saw the sign for Midland and we were like, 
Wait a minute. Isn't that where? Yeah. Well, we played in Odessa. Bush, oh, where wow. we played in Odessa. Yeah, yeah. we played in Odessa. This, wow, that place. That was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the pool hall guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was like a pool hall. Yeah, yeah. Outside of Odessa, Texas. I can't remember what it was called. But it was basically like this old uh, cowboy surfing guy. But he, yeah, wore like the skin tight Dwight Yoakam jeans. Yeah, like he was in some old cowboy Austin shirt. Cow punk band. He had a jukebox in there that was only like cow punk and yeah. like uh, cowboy like surf. What I call it? Yeah, I don't know surfability. Surf, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. That was just full of that, like really obscure yeah. stuff. And the first time we played, he was just like, "We are." He like lived there, I guess, like at the we bar. stayed there. Yeah, yeah, he was like, "You guys can just sleep here." And he pulls out those like two raw, dirty mattresses and like lays them <laughs> in the middle of a pool room floor. And we were like, "All right, well, I guess we're doing this." But then he like come up and talk to us. It got weird in the middle of the night. Yeah. We were like, "I remember one time we he like, hit me or something," and we we're like, "Dude, I think we might want to go." Should we leave? And I was like, "No, nah, you're crazy. He's fine." <laughs> Now you look back on it, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, what did he do to us? <laughs> yeah, nothing happened because I was awake all night. I had this, like, I'm not sleeping. I remember anymore. it was all like black lights too, so like, yeah. I just was like weirded out being in there. And it's like in Texas, and so like when you leave yeah. the next morning, it's like you open the door and it's like you know brown and bright. And yeah, whew, yeah. You know, totally. it, like it really is like that. Yeah. You're like, what happened? <laughs> You know, I mean, and, this is how we toured the way we uh, toured back then, which is like acoustic guitars and a car. Because uh, we were doing, you know, what was yeah, solo usually had shows. an amp with us, have an amp, yeah, yeah I was box of merch, a giant small amp suitcase, yeah. And I don't think we ever stayed at a hotel, no, I don't think we ever did. Uh, not most of the I remember time. one, I remember yeah. we played in LA and we couldn't find a place to stay, and we just like slept in the car, like, at a, yeah, you know. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like a rest stop or whatever. But we weren't yeah. making a ton of money either. Yeah, you know, it wasn't yeah. like we could. Yeah. I remember the one time that happened. Oh, yeah, that was it. We, we drove out of town a little bit, and then I slept with my contacts. That's when it messed up your eye. Up my eye. Yeah, that was it. So you had to drive for like a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I couldn't see. I scratched my eye or something. But I think, you know, there for that stretch of probably 2002 to 2004 or five, yeah. it seemed like you were doing like, I don't know, a couple hundred days a year or something. Is that yeah, too many? Probably, you were doing um, a lot there for a while. Yeah. Uh, it was good. It felt good. I would say between Lancaster and Chicago, there was a point where you were kind of just living on the road. Yeah, I did for a while. When yeah. I was technically living in Pennsylvania, there was a good year where I just wasn't there. I was. I had my stuff at my dad's house. I just wasn't hardly ever home. Yeah. And then when you got I, to Chicago, it... We still toured some, but it wasn't as much. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's hard right now to like, and I don't feel like I have like a balanced perspective on a lot of that right now because I haven't been touring for a while. Yeah. So everything feels a little bit like of a combination of being like romanticized and I'm just starting to get anxious to start playing shows again. Yeah. So there's this like... It's hard to say why you stopped when you want to start doing it again mm-hmm. sometimes, you know? Right. Um, but a lot of it was like, yeah, having a relationship that I was excited about at home mm-hmm. and still being able to be at home. And because of all the touring that I was doing and stuff, I got really good offers for shows in Chicago. Yeah. So, which was kind of one of the reasons why I moved there is to be right. like, all right, I want to, you know, be able to, be around when a lot more bands come through town and yeah. have more stuff going on where I'm at. And that's so. kind of what I had been doing around Memphis was kind yeah. of like trying to hang around. Cause we got 
probably a lot of the same shows that yeah yeah chicago actually but yeah um so i we were doing that i was playing pretty regularly and i I was trying to get a band together and like still feeling like i was being productive but trying to do it kind of a a little bit of more a different way and just not Mm -hmm. being on the road quit as much and um some of that was there was definitely there was a a big chunk of time between i I made a, a record called souls that i made just with friends and um, but then after that, I I started making that record for my grandfather with all mm-hmm. those wars, the the songs about from, from the letters, and um, that took a while. And with that, I put a big band together, and we didn't do a lot of touring for that. But it was more yeah. like I took a six piece out a couple of times and did like just more clusters of things. I just remembered this story. Okay, so when you were making the war record. This was around 2005 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I was living in Bruce, uh, just south of here, a tiny little house. And I had a room in the middle where I had a studio. Yeah. I was talking to you and you were like, I've been working on this new record. I'm going to like email you some songs at some point to listen to. And maybe you can sing on this. And I was like, all right, whatever. And I like went to bed. And that night I like dreamed I was listening to your next record. And it had all of these beautiful strings on it. And like, I could remember how it sounded in my dream. And then like the next day I got the email with the tracks and when I played them and it was sounded the same. It's like, I dreamed <laughs> it the night before I like heard it. it was, it's like, I'll never forget that. Yeah. It's really weird, but like, yeah, that's and then I, I guess I did do some very poorly recorded uh, vocals for that, that I think I emailed to you. Yeah. yeah I recorded you sing, we do, yeah, it's, it's kind of a duet on the, yeah. And that was our kind of first and only times we ever collaborated. And actually, there was a time when we were on tour when we were like, maybe we could do a couple songs together. (laughs) And we tried it like once or twice. And we were like, this this doesn't work. Let's go back to the old way. (laughs) But then I think you probably toured that solo at least a little bit, right? I I did. did. I toured solo a bunch after that came out. I remember playing shows with that. And um, there were quite a few shows after that came out. But then after that, I took a, a good break for a while. Yeah. Um, my home life didn't suck. So I liked yeah. to be in Chicago. Yeah. And it was like, it was, I, I was still writing and like doing things, but that slowed down quite a bit after that war record just because yeah. I felt like that was a big. That was a big project. Uh, a big you worked project, on it for a long time. And it was, yeah, yeah. I, it was, it took a while to kind of feel like. To figure out what's next after doing something like that. Turkey and shrimp 
I guess this kind of leads me to a question that I want to ask you about, because you've mentioned throughout this whole thing that there's been these different people that have played with you, and you're kind of the only consistent thing. So I guess, I mean, it's kind of a simple question, but it's like, do you consider the gunshot to be like you, or do you consider it to be you and every other person who's ever contributed? Four or five years ago, I kind of decided that this, this latest kind of group, mostly... Ryan and Andy, the guys that have been playing guitar and drums with me, yeah, respectively, that the band is pretty much the three of us. That what I do, what I put out under that name anymore is going to be whatever we do together. Okay, we, yeah. Like that they, they, they should be a part of it. Right. Um, partially because I'm not necessarily ready to move on from the project, but ready for it not to be my only identity. Yeah. Musically. Yeah. Um, and they put a lot of time into it at this point. So I feel like, you know, whenever we get together, whatever we end up doing is that's what that name's for now. It, that band's also kind of a, it's a place and a time. And having not been drinking for a while now, there's a lot of drinking associated with that band. The atmosphere of the band, both that, the band nurtures and that the band's identity is so associated it's with just, drinking yeah, completely associated. Yeah. With, yeah. And for myself, I need to be a little bit more comfortable with being in that kind of an environment and not drinking. So let's uh, move on to talk about something we've been working on. So we've been working on, I guess we call this collaboration record. And it kind of started as you had just written a handful of songs and like recorded them on acoustic guitar, piano. And you were like, I want to make a record, but I want to do something totally different. You know, I want to like get out of the gunshy element and just do, and you'd made solo records too, but you were like, I don't want it to sound like that. I want to do something I haven't done before. And you were like, here, you like sent it to me. You were like, do you want to collaborate? And I was like, sure. And I was like, I do not know if this is going to work at all. And what I ended up doing was going down to the coffee shop one day and and pulling up one of Matt's acoustic songs and I just like snapped it to a grid and built like a drum machine beat to it. Yeah. And then I just kind of kept going and then I sent it to him and I was like, what about this? <laughs> and you were like, that's out. I think, well, I actually think I did four of them. You did a few. Like three or first, four and uh, sent them to you all at once. And I was like, what, what is this? And you were like, this is awesome. And so since ever since then we were like, let's just make a record. Yeah. And, we don't really know what we're calling it yet, do we? Yeah, not really, no. Uh, but I think I just explained like how we started. But since then, what do you think it's like kind of turning into? Like, how would you describe it? Yeah, well, originally I was thinking like I, these were going to be like mostly finger picking songs. Like initially I kind of writing them as a batch of like quieter songs. Right. Um, but I wanted it to be a little bit different sounding anyway. I just yeah. didn't know how how that would I just hadn't gotten too far along in that. And then, yeah, we had been talking for a while about doing something together. And, and I just I just kept kind of writing these songs and had a little bit of a batch of them together. And so I think 
basically what where I think we're at this is all been going on for a couple of years now too and, and a lot of that is me learning like I, I wanted to have a challenge musically I wanted to try to make a record like the first record I ever made where it's like I feel very uncomfortable about what I'm trying to do like recently with the stuff that I had been recording that it was like starting to feel like I was just churning stuff out a little bit mm -hmm. and it was all kind of getting a, a little bit formulaic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, ah, I could, I could cruise and do that and just, you know, keep saying that that's what I do right. musically and just kind of get lazy with it. So that's why I liked what you were doing. And, um, I wanted something where there were this, like, I'd always kind of worked with drummers that are like, feel-based drummers more than anything. So it's mm -hmm. this, like, uh, it's not meant to be super precise. It's not meant to, like, it's just, yeah. you know, it's everything's kind of pushing through. I wanted to, like, I wanted to make a pretty record. It was one of the mm -hmm. things that I was yeah. thinking. And, like, isn't necessarily what we were just talking about before with, like, where it was, like, it doesn't have to be a full experience to play this record. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I wanted to try to make a record that not just super depressed people like specific kind of people that has have liked my kind of songs in the past yeah that they would you know actually want to listen to yeah, <laughs> yeah. No way. And like you can't like there's no way you can ever put out records and say that you don't want people to listen to your music right i think for a while it was this whole like i've had that attitude where it's like i don't care i'm gonna make my art i'm just doing my people thing that i don't like it will like it that's fine yeah, right. but like the more and and more than anything like vocally and everything i was like i, I want to push myself i want to try to like get better at this art form that i've dedicated a large amount of my life to so that, that I think that's where it, you know, we've gone back and forth a lot in, you know, trading back sessions and stuff and parts and coming up with things and really building these songs up and kind of reassembling them and doing things with them. And it's been like, that's always been my favorite part of the process anyway. Yeah. And I think COVID kind of allowed this album to happen in a way that like there weren't as many other distractions going on and we could be able to like collaborate more easily and things like that. So I think it's very close to being there, yeah. but it's also the first time where we've been at, a, like I've been at this point in a record and I'm not like, I'm not either chomping at the bit cause I just want the record to be done and come out so I can start a tour or something. Yeah. Or I'm like, we've pretty much exhausted all possibilities with these songs, but I do feel like not a hundred percent quite yet. Most of the time when I'm working with other people, even just other band members, they're like, what the hell, dude? You've been mixing that song for a week. Like, it's yeah, fine. I can't yeah, tell yeah. the difference. Just let it go. Like, with you and I working together and be able to, like, talk through the stuff that we're working on in really, like, specific ways, that's that's a, that's a very enjoyable experience for me to have right now. So it's, yeah. it, it's a fun process to make where there isn't a lot of pressure on it to do anything. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be probably more nervous than I've ever been, you know, with that underlying excitement when it comes time for people to actually hear, actually this hear stuff. it. Yeah. Feels like the best work I've ever done. Uh -huh. And it, it feels very, very, I feel very out of my comfort zone. So it feels thinking it feels about vulnerable. other people listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. It feels it very feel vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which is exciting. It's good. Well, I think people are really gonna dig it. You know, like I've shown uh just snippets of, of what we worked on to people randomly, you know, just yeah, friends of mine. Yeah. And they're always like, wait, what? 
what is that? And they're like, is that Matt? I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to get it out there. I, we have yeah, been working on it for a while, and I, I'm at the process in it of like, I got to just kind of wait Matt out here. Yeah. You know, like, uh, although there has been a few times where I felt like I don't have anything to contribute to this track anymore, and you would kind of like be persistent about it. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, fine, I'll try a guitar on it or I'll play piano. And it did. It helped. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I That's what I really liked about collaborating with this is realizing the times that I need to push myself a little bit more uh, and not just like settle for it being like, oh, that's good. You know, part of that is kind of who I am. That I'm a really, yeah. I kind of go with my gut. Yeah. The first thing I hear and with my gut. And to me, that's like what serves me best. So I like, yeah. trust that a lot. And I have to remember like, okay, you can still like, experiment yeah you know? yeah even if your gut's not telling I love you anything that in, so. in these songs have been a canvas for experimentation with with recording too so using kind of a, a typical recording process you write you record you track you mix you know you master and you're done we're kind of combining those first three mm -hmm. steps a little bit all in the creative process so yeah because we both have our own recording setups right we can do it this way re-recording things where they need to be chopping things up seeing what's needed um being able to like get people that we know elsewhere to contribute right. and like figure out where things are so and then along with that doing some preliminary mixes on our own to hear how it's all gonna kind of end up so then we can go back and be like oh wait you know yeah i like th this song sounds stronger now but it also now sounds like it's missing this. So then you kind of go back to like, yeah. okay. I mean, it really, it's, it's we're, what we're sort of doing in a digital world with you in Chicago and me in Mississippi is we're like having band practice, Yeah, right. you know, but you're tracking at the same time. But, but we're also, like, we have that extra layer of being able to mess around with production and mixing and stuff too, because yeah. we, we, yeah, we're engineering, producing, so we're, mixing. We're still doing. We're doing some of those initial <laughs> like ideas with performing. Yeah. We're like doing all of it. Like yeah, but it is. I haven't thought about it that it's not regimented out the way you would normally do it with a band yeah. or with a studio. Even on our own stuff, we're kind of our all, own stuff that I've done because we moments. always have the option to kind of change anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the song started that way, so yeah. like we've been doing that with the songs for a while. So it's not like okay, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, you do your thing. Like, right. it's just kind of been this back and forth where we sit on it sometimes for a week or so and like, let's try cutting this here or bringing this up here or doing this and this. And it's like, you know, I think about halfway through the process with the drum sounds and just yeah. kind of the way the album was going to go. Like once we figured out, started kind of getting the sequence in our head, the sonic theme kind of arose. Once we got the steel and some strings yeah. in there too, that kind of filled in some gaps and allowed it to kind of, sound a little bit more it, it pulls some songs together I mean, yeah because before that we were just kind of adding midi parts yeah yeah we're like oh this might be a cool yeah weird electronic record yeah and then it's turned into like you know we should probably get an actual string player to play yeah that, you know? yeah yeah that stuff is there but at the heart of it is like when i was going into this i was like wanting kind of the 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 sound and the feel kind of 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 a mix between some of those older John Prine records and even like the production on some of those like eighties Leonard Cohen records. Yeah. And so I think there's some element of that here and then just you know, whatever we've done, there's enough diversity to it. To It's more, thing. it's more about your process is what it's, it is. Nothing yeah, else yeah. has changed. You're just changing your process up a little bit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? This is not how you've made records before. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you said. You're like, I just want to approach it differently. Yeah. yeah. It helped that because I yeah. couldn't just kind of like do the habits that I have in recording yeah. and stuff. I had to really like people. I think there's really about. something to be said for like, we've both like had studios in our houses for yeah. a period of time. Uh, you've had yours in your space for a long, a lot longer because you've been in the same house for a while. Yeah. Whereas I've moved about four or five times in the last 10 years. So for me, I've always noticed that every time I moved, it was like frustrating because nothing sounded the same, but then pretty quickly being in a new space, like helped you yeah. get out of your little routines. Yeah. And I noticed that here, you know, you get into the routines you do on your screen, but you also get into all these other routines as to where you're not like, it's free anymore yeah. for something. It's just yeah. like, it's just a process. It's like, a, and that's kind of formula. Even just track, yeah. recording the click it was like, yeah. okay, I have to think about this differently now. Right. Got to like, yeah. Well, you've never been like a real formulaic songwriter from the beginning. I would say, you know, you were never really trying to write courses. I became, I've become more formulaic. And that's, that's, I mean, I, sometimes formulas are like, bad, right? I mean, that makes no, chemistry. No, but it does make it? like, it, I mean, it's kind yeah. of like what I was saying before. It's like we all, I think we get into routines. Sometimes yeah. we call them formulas. The difference between the two, I guess there's a thin line. But for me, I like having a, a basic formula that I work in because it lets me play around with it. Yeah. And then I also, it's kind of like, this is the reason I like the metronome now. It's because I find that if I have the steadiness of the metronome, I get more fluid yeah. around that yeah. because I've deducted having to do that from my brain yeah because it's doing it there for me yeah yeah because if you turn off a click I'm trying to do it with my like I'm trying to keep time yeah it's all I can think about yeah but if the time is kept for me then I'm just I never think about it and I like play around it yeah a lot more and I think that's just as human if not more honestly I I can't help but think that there's a lot of parallels between you know, where I am musically mm -hmm. and how I want to approach things and kind yeah. of where I was just with my health. Um, well, how long have you been off boost now? Uh, it was three years in June. Three years in June. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like a little more than a year ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I had sort of had it in my head that I was going to get sober at 40 for a while. Yeah. And then the closer I got to 40, I was really kind of pushing it, you know? But I think seeing you, which you, I guess, should have done about a year before me. But it really was just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do it too. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. I think being around you the first time when you were sober, it was like we were kind of both like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> but then I remember it was like normal, like yeah, after that, yeah. like as soon as we, we're yeah. the first time we were like, okay, we don't do the thing we normally do. We just hang out, okay? Yeah, <laughs> you I mean, know? That, yeah, there's so <laughs> many weird, different but... layers to that. I mean, that's why I'm just now starting to, I think, want to go back on the road is to be able to like kind of reintroduce myself to a lot of old friends mm. and just to the road in general, yeah. and have that experience again where I'm not like hung over all the time and like. I, I definitely missed a lot. I would say more like water lawyers touring days. Yeah. Know? I wasn't drinking that much, you know, when we toured. I mean, yeah. I would drink some, but it's not even just the drinking. It's just the stress. Just, like I've yeah. been, always been so anxious and stressed on the yeah. road. Yeah. I've done things to address that drinking was one of the things that I, that was part of the reason why I stopped drinking. And that has cooled me down so much. I think if there's, there, there were any regrets from 
the touring days, it's, it's that kind of stuff. I was like, I feel like I was just going a million miles an hour all the time. Yeah. And I think if I would have chilled out, then that would have, uh, it would have been a much different experience. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the experiences I had, but, um, I'm curious how moving forward as I get to that point, you know, talking about your forties and stuff where it's like, all right, are you going to be the fucking i'm wearing a songs of higher shirt now like i started to really worry about that of the, like yeah. how right how it was going to catch up with me and what yeah melina's death was like it's a pretty big wake-up yeah. call for me yeah, for sure and richard swift like as yeah. it kind of kept happening to people right. that were like around it's like shit it's yeah. not how yeah so what we knew their lifestyle that they were in like so well yeah. we we're like oh wait that's that was that was my lifestyle. You yeah, know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, like extra worrying, I think. But and the way that I, I I know myself, so it was like I can't just be like, oh, I'm just gonna drink, you know, once a week, or I'm gonna do yeah. this or that. Like, no, you're not. Like, right. I I I need to just be done with it. It is like to be at this point where there is something that feels like a new record. Mm. Like, it, like even like coming up with the name for the project and stuff. It's like sh shit. I didn't. Yeah. I, we gotta figure that out. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, it, it all feels fresh again. There you have it, folks. That's my talk with my good friend, Matt, the gun shy. Uh, keep an ear out and an eye out for our new project. Uh, we're still trying to think of a name for it. We'll let you know as soon as we can. Uh, thanks again for listening. Until next time.